Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey everyone, my name is Claudio Manetto. I am a performer and choreographer, and I will be discussing the perception of a black male on the Where Are We Now podcast with Miles Hart. Hello everybody and welcome to the very first episode of the Where Are We Now series, a podcast that I'm very proud to be hosting in collaboration with Dancers Network and Black Minds Matter. As you would have seen or heard more so from the trailer that got released earlier today, or whenever you listen to this, that got released before this episode, this podcast aims to talk about all things black, our experiences, um, our perceptions of things, our life, our culture, and more. And I'm speaking, as you heard before, with so many amazing guests. And I'm joined by my first guest this week, Claude Marnetto, to speak all things perception of the black male. Hello, and thank you so much for joining us this week, Claude. How are you doing? Hello. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. Good, 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 good. So, uh, tell us a little bit about you. Um, I'm asking all of my guests to really say their achievements with their chest. I feel uh, something that is often taught to us when we're growing up, especially in black households, is to be humble and humility. And those things are great, but also I feel like we're often in environments where we don't have a voice, where we can, you know, really big ourselves up about what we do without being called uh loud or like you know do you know what i mean so i want you to really stand (laughs) in your truth in your talents and let everyone know as you know i always do come come on (laughs) (laughs) because i worked very hard to be where i am so i say it with my chest come Um, through but i trained at Erdang, mm-hmm. as you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I graduated in 2011, centuries ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I went on to dance for, for, for some pretty amazing people. Um, such as? Such as Little Mix, Emanike, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, who we love, um, uh, Rita Ora, J- Jess Glynn. Um, the list is goes this on, on tour? Is but this in music videos? That's pretty much everything. I've toured, I've done music yeah. videos, TV shows, pretty much all the TV shows around. Um, and hope, well, started to transition into choreography more so now um, as I'm getting older. <laughs> <coughs> you're, you're also a founding member, am I correct, of the Dancers Network? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes. how was um, that? I mean, it's been, what, nearly three years now, and the movement that we've created and the change that we've installed in the commercial industry i'm so proud of it and to be a part of it um and the changes that are going to come from here on out because of the us coming together and and trying to make a change um Mm -hmm. it, it really does make a difference when we stand together and numbers definitely like push yeah um and create a movement that that should have happened years and years and years ago yeah. but we're here now moving forward <laughs> and we're very very um grateful to be a part of it amen really grateful well i'm also very grateful that you're here to talk all things uh you know perception of the black male um while we're speaking about you and your career uh what where did you grow up did you grow up in london where, where um you so i i was actually born in angola <coughs> which is in africa yeah you know? Um, so I grew up 
in Africa up until the age of 10 or 11. I can't really remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was very, very different than moving. Uh, then we moved to Portugal for a year, um, yeah. which, which again is totally different to Africa, to Portugal, and moving from Portugal to here, having to learn a new language. Um, it's just completely different lifestyle, <laughs> as you yeah. can probably uh, imagine. Um, so yeah, uh, my, my childhood was very um, different. Mm-hmm. to a lot of people and then obviously changing from I think I started year six um, when, I, when I first moved to the UK with not knowing a word of English yeah just having to pick it up and just go with it <laughs> yeah um, so yeah it was very 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 different um, so that a lot a lot of probably uh, stories that people may have from them growing up here it will be totally different to mine because of just the environment and the people and even when it comes to, with race um, it was totally different. I was living in an African country, which it, racism does still exist over there. Of course, yeah. Um, within black people mm-hmm. uh, th- them, themselves, if you're not, it's slightly, I'm slightly lighter, mm-hmm. just saying. I wasn't as dark as some people, so I got a lot of slack for that growing up. Um, but if you look at my family, um, they were a lot lighter than me. Obviously, we all know now that you're a dancer. You're you identify as a as a, as a black man, right? Yes, one thousand <laughs> percent. We love to see it. Um, and you're a dancer choreographer. So, growing up, like, what did that mean to you to be a dancer? Um, in terms of like your so I because of the culture, obviously the African culture. And yeah, um, I've got Brazilian in me and Portuguese. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up doing salsa and samba. Um, okay so with that was that visible around you like could you yeah see, but like it? so my my, my whole f- it, part of t- the tradition in angola is that because of the, the brazilian heritage we, we really went in with the whole carnival thing so carnival mm-hmm. played such a big part in our um household and culture so i grew up doing salsa and samba from a really young age so it was I, th- I think from when, when I can remember, dance has always been such a big part of my f- my life since then. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I I didn't really feel like it was something that just popped out of nowhere. I, yeah. I, it was just brought into my family as part of our culture. So, yeah. Okay. And so, would you say, like in like the media and st- like your surroundings, did you see many black men dancing? Was that normal um well grow, growing up yes i did because obviously it was again carnival and all of that yeah. stuff but i think once i said i started to then take it seriously when we moved to the uk mm-hmm. it was um the, the, it's hard to say because obviously if you're a dancer you're gonna then focus on if you're a dancer then you're gonna you're gonna then focus on uh dancers so yeah. i i would search for dancers which were there, there weren't many black male dancers okay um but there were some um that i looked up to and um especially with the classical uh, tr- uh dance um mm. you didn't really see that much black male dancers um so the ones that i i did know i did see i had to obviously do my research and look for it but i don't think the representation was there unless it wasn't visible okay. if that makes sense you had to really look for it so i've got a question for you uh what four words do you think of when you think of the black man this is just you um powerful yeah uh unique mm-hmm. um extraordinary come on and wonder give me some detail behind those words um it powerful just because we are powerful beyond measure to be quite honest yeah um we uh somehow maybe it's just (laughs) it's installed in us but we somehow defeat all odds Mm -hmm. um and our work ethic is extremely hard we were were made to work hard Um, oh that's interesting that you should say yeah um and then powerful oh well that was powerful what was the other one i just said 
Wonder is just because I just feel black males are just fascinating. Mm. Like our strength, our power, the way we hold ourselves. We walk into a room, we don't have to say anything. We demand something. It's a, a different type of energy, just a different type of power. Um, and I think that's what wonder. It's just like you, you're always being trying to figure out what a black male is. Let's just say, if that makes sense. Like if a black male walks, walks into a room, there's this sense of aura and energy. And it, 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 it doesn't matter who it is. I just feel um, they, we, we, not they, mm. we, there's just the sense of mystery to a black male. Would you say, uh, reflecting on those words that you used, that those were words that were relevant or visible when you were being raised by your family? Do you feel like those words were part of the parenting that you received as a young black boy to be those things? Um, it's interesting you asked that because I've never actually thought about that. Mm-hmm. But I must say, my <clears throat> my dad passed away when I was really young, so he yeah. passed away when I was two. Um, I think those words are a reflection of who my family, the way they vis- envisioned him. Mm-hmm. So, and I think I grew up wanting to achieve that which was the way they speak about my dad and spoke about him while I was growing up. That's where all those words came from. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to make sure that those words reflect who I am. I think that's where it comes from. Yeah. Do you think those words like live in your psyche at all? Like when, you know, when you're going about your day to day or when you go into predominantly white spaces or, or even, uh, black spaces or any kind of space do those words are they on your mind are you thinking about them subconsciously to reflect <laughs> again it's funny you just say that because i never actually sat down and <laughs> thought about that <laughs> but i do think subconsciously it, they're there mm-hmm. so i walk with those words probably oozing out mm-hmm. oozing out of me so so then there's a a sense that i probably am carrying them with me 24 7 mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> Would you say you are proud to be a black man? 1,000 billion percent. <laughs> yeah. Were you always proud or is this something that you've had to learn or is it a journey you've gone on? Or um, I think I've always been proud. Mm. I've, yeah, I think I've always been really proud, but I think it, it extends from my family. It extends mm. of, um, again, the, their reflection of my dad, yeah. which then made me have that pride. Um mm. So yeah, I I, I yeah. definitely have. I mean, I've, I, there've, uh, there'll definitely be questions along the way, um, but I I think that comes from society and situations or not being accepted in certain things. Like I remember uh, when I first moved to the UK, yeah, my mom took me to a barber shop to get my hair cut, mm-hmm. and the woman said she doesn't cut the N word. I put it on like to use mm-hmm. um, that she didn't cut N word hair. hair, and I was like looking at my mom going what what i don't understand mm. and my mom just had a flipped out with this woman in the well, barbershop I, rightly goddamn so like and then we had to go and find a black barbershop i thought you was gonna say that we had to go and find someone to, <laughs> to sort, <laughs> to her sort her out. <laughs> <laughs> no so then so it was it was more situations like that yeah which made me question mm-hmm. but no no um i think it's interesting that you 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 felt like this you always had that sense of pride uh and you were re- you were born in africa you weren't born yeah. over here first um so we're discussing the representation of the representation and the perception of the black male and we live in a predominantly white or western society so with that in mind focusing on how we as black men are represented uh on social media by corporations or the press or whatnot i'm going to ask you that question again what four words do you think society would use when thinking or representing the black man sex symbol Mm -hmm. anger aggression aggressive Mm -hmm. and sportsman Well, I don't know why I'm, my eyes are welling up when you're saying <laughs> that. Um, 
and yeah wow that was an interesting feeling um it dawned on me because obviously I, i've recorded some of these podcasts for this week um already and it has been quite it has been dra- fun but draining yeah. but you know um i spoke with tanya mm-hmm. more she'll be coming on an episode um, <laughs> and you know these are words that she's used and i've heard these growing up yeah that these are the kind of words that you know our people are described or how we're portrayed and often perceived by you know mm-hmm. the people that we live in yeah. we live with in society and you know to to work on this show and like document that yeah and actually and hear it uh, yeah and really take that in mm-hmm. it's it's crazy it's it's upsetting it is um, it is it definitely is um it's and as much as <clears throat> a lot of people probably don't want to address it um it's visible yeah it's clear um why do you think there's a difference with how you with how you feel about you know your perception of the things that you think of when you think of a black man and then what society feels? sorry what's, what's, what's so that? why do you think there is a difference why do i think there's a difference it, yeah um, those four words that you used to yeah. describe i just think it's stereotypes I think the difference is we are um, we are made. Okay, let's say a movie, right? Yeah. And th- we already know what the black character is going to play. And what is that? It's either the aggressor, mm-hmm. the, who uh, father that doesn't look after his kids. Yeah. Someone's in prison, or who's killed somebody, or is going to jail, or like yeah there's, there's just there's a lot of stereotypes that automatically like you're not gonna see well you know you don't rarely see black male playing specific roles as if let's say J- james bond yeah uh it, it went up in arms online when <laughs> they mentioned that it just elba was going to play james yeah. bond the hate was why the backlash why is was that crazy. an issue yeah like it's not a a specific character it's not a, a, a based on a true story no it's a f- fictional character mm-hmm. so why is there an issue so it's, it's it's a lot of stuff like that which is just like really frustrating um and it's constantly reoccurring and as much as the blm movement happened happened last year yeah it hasn't changed mm-hmm. it hasn't changed and people i feel like people are trying to mask it by almost going, oh, okay, because it's happened, we're going to give you this. Let's mm. not talk about what's going on over there. Let's just give you this mm-hmm. so you can, like, hush up and be happy with what you've got because yeah. now, look, you've got something. Yeah. And, it's, yeah, it's more, it's, it's definitely that. So when you uh, spoke just then about, you know, when the black male is going to be, you know, a good character or, like, the lead of a film without necessarily raping someone or being a murderer or a drug dealer, whatever. And, you know, in society, there is that backlash. Have you ever, like, taken stock of, like, how being around that would have a, a an effect on you or other young black boys? If so, like, what would that yeah, feel like? Yeah, no, but yeah, because we, we automatically don't put ourselves in that position then because we've mm. been shown something and it's almost like subconsciously being told this is all you can achieve mm-hmm. uh you're never going to be this you're never going to be that you know you're never going to really be in those roles even uh training at dance schools without them even realizing just saying stuff like oh um you're you're oh, black boys don't really have really good feet so you can't really point them mm-hmm. or you're not really that flexible because you know your hips are made slightly different mm-hmm. or constantly being told that we can't do something just because of a stereotype or the anatomy yeah. isn't necessarily the same but everyone's anatomy is completely different so you can't base that that on a specific thing of being like oh yes we know that our hips are slightly different so the way our bones are so it they got rhythm <laughs> we've got rhythm in the <laughs> hips <laughs> okay <laughs> um so yeah and so it was it's basically telling people what they can and can't do without telling yeah. people what they can and can't do um which which plays a really big part especially in kids grow growing up because it's of almost course. telling them this is what you're going to be and that's it did you ever feel like you may have had that sense of uh, you know self-fulfilling prophecy and obviously if you did 
looking at where you are now in your career, is that something that you had to fight with? I 1000% did. I did. You did? Um, but I think with me, I don't know why I probably get it for my family or for my dad. Um, yeah. There's this sense of I don't quit and I don't give up. Mm-hmm. So I knew I was going to end up where I am today. Mm-hmm. I would. I was willing to do anything and everything possible to make that happen. So I did. So whenever people told me I can't or I shouldn't, to me, that just went over my head. It was never a question of what should I do. It was, it was, for me, it was more when is this going to happen? Mm-hmm. And it was. I just had to work for it. If it meant I, I felt like I had to work 10 times harder than everyone else yeah. to make it happen. And that primarily came down to me being black. Yeah. So, but for me, it, it, it never, as much of all the hurdles, um, it never really um, made me f- doubt myself. I, I knew I was going to end up here. Yeah. So. Were you ever told, like, by loved ones or people around you, you know, you're going to have to work harder? Oh, yeah. You were. When did that start? I think it was probably from when I went to primary school here. Okay. It was, it was, we moved from Africa to here. Mm -hmm. Then it was, you have to catch up with everyone else in your class, which I I got. Okay. So it meant that I had to work 10 times harder. Mm -hmm. So that I was constantly being told I had to work 10 times harder. So naturally it just became a thing. So, mm-hmm. to the point that I, it just became a norm for me. Yeah. So, it, to me, it didn't, it didn't seem like I was working. I was doing more than what I should have. Because that's something that I grew up being told yeah. at a certain point. So, it just became the norm. Um, do people, do other, like, black boys that you were raised with or, like, grew up with, did they share that same sense of, you know, that same school of thought where they had to work 10 times harder or did you feel like that was just you yeah no um that definitely i definitely sensed and felt um that we were constantly being being, being told that in schools uh like and some people take that in different ways some people use that as fuel to mm-hmm. push them and some people re- retaliate against it so it's it's like some people like i remember there was boys in my uh, in my secondary school who they were told, oh, you're going to end up like this. So they did. Mm. They ended up going to sell drugs. They ended up joining gangs. They ended up... Uh, but it was because it was constantly also being fed to them. It's like, this is all you're going to achieve. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. And there was others that we were just constantly told to work harder, push ourselves. And they end up doing better and working harder. But again, it's like a 50-50. You don't really... It's, it's, yeah, it's just it's just a really really uh, tough um, thing to kind of pinpoint. If that makes sense. Mm. So uh, thinking back to those uh, words that you used, that you said that um, the society that we live in would perceive the black male. Would you say that you were raised to have any of those attributes? So sex symbol. Um, uh, aggressive, aggressive uh, sportsman. Sportsman. Um, well, yeah, I feel like never really. Um, a lot of it came down to what was shown on TV. Um, but I, I, I don't recall ever to grow up within those attributes. If that makes okay. sense. Um, it was never a thing that was implemented in my family, um, or within schools. I mean, there was. Definitely, as we're growing up, um, yeah. as we were growing up, especially in secondary schools, you will we did. There was a lot of maybe side-handed comments that at the time you're a child, you don't really think of it. But me thinking back to it now, mm-hmm. definitely people putting you in the box, especially yeah. teachers, uh, of what they think you're gonna end up becoming. Okay, so you. You've let us all know now that, you know, those aren't the ways that you were raised in a black household. Yeah. Yet you've now come into a world where this is how you and 
black men are portrayed to be. They're portrayed to be aggressive, sex symbols and things like that. How do you now navigate in a world that expects th that expects these things of you, which are such a polar opposite to how, you know, you were, you know, yeah. raised to be, you know, what you said, wondrous and things of that nature. With those two polar opposites, how do you then navigate a world which expects, you know, rage, anger? Um, I think prior to last year, mm -hmm. I just got on with it. It, it, it we, we, we were always told to just get on with it. Don't ask questions. Just do it. Just do it. Just get it mm -hmm. done. Work hard. Keep your head down. Like, and it was that. I pretty much just did that. I worked extremely hard to get to where I needed to get to. Um, but after last year, I found myself looking back and questioning just everything. Mm -hmm. everything about how I maybe handle situations, how I should have handled si situations, things people said to me, uh, um, which then made me open my eyes to a lot more. I think everyone kind of got yeah. that a moment of like, okay, I've got a voice in yeah. a way. Um, and, it, and, and now me going into some situations now, I now see things a lot clearer. Like I walked mm -hmm. into a room and for on, on, I was on a job and it was primarily, I was the only black person in the room. Mm -hmm. And automatically for the first time, I felt that. Oh. I never had felt so you'd that before. So you'd not felt that before? Uh, I kind of, well, prior, I just kind of got gone with it. But now I think I've become more open and more, um, I vocalize a lot more. So I don't let things slide. If I feel uncomfortable, I feel like I am able to communicate that now and I'm able to um when you say feel uncomfortable, is it because people expected you to be aggressive? Yeah, or, 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 automatically assuming I'm going to be aggressive. So they obviously come then come with that energy first yeah. without realising that was never going to be my approach. Mm -hmm. um, and I grew up doing this is treat people with kindness, kill them with, with kindness. And that's just the way I've always approached every situation. Um, mm -hmm. So definitely the way I've gone into society prior to the BLM movement, Mm -hmm. It's definitely, I just kept my head down and got on with it. Now, I kind of just try to navigate in a way I'm like, I have to stand proud. Mm -hmm. and, and I have So to you don't feel like you've ever had to struggle with being aggressive or like, because obviously you were raised to be yeah. those four words that you said. Yeah. You never felt, oh, I have to be aggressive or I need to be a sex symbol or I need to be. I did. Oh, so I you did. Okay, I felt, I felt, I, question, I, yeah, basically. I felt, I felt. But I, I almost felt like that was, I had to do that to be accepted. Mm. I almost had to play the, that role sometimes. And so you did? It, it, only really, it only really happened, I think, when I was growing up. And I think it was more to do with, like, uh, social groups. Mm. It, if you act like this, then you're the cool kid. Um, which, that went out the window for me pretty much because I was just like oh no this is not me as a person and I that went out the window com completely mm -hmm. um, so I didn't I felt it slightly growing up but not that much um, do you think that some boys do oh 1000% I feel like a lot of black male carry that through for the rest f into their adulthood despite being raised yeah, completely different completely they different. Were falling to Why fit do you in think that is? to fit in to fit in to fit in and to fit stereotypes and to fit the moulds mm. um, which it's almost like you're being told you're this so now you have to become this otherwise you're less than okay so the black man i want you to think about that and tell me who or how do you envision this entity what do you see in your head take a minute if you need to <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, the, the black man what do you see what what does he or they look like um the way i envisioned a black male um someone tall handsome mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh dark skin okay. chocolate skin yeah um a protector loving yeah. caring um visually i see um <laughs> i see afro hair yeah um again dark skin um tall <laughs> like totally. Tall, okay. dark, and handsome. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting you say that because that's a phrase that often gets used, especially yeah. in England. So, 
Um, again, how do you think society would envision a black man? Like, oh, do you think they see a sex symbol? To be quite honest, and like looks, looks wise, what, looks like, like muscles, mus- okay, tattoos, okay, braids, okay, um, and again. The stereotypes, really. Do you think that they see any different shades or just the dark skin? They see black as black. Oh, that's okay. They see black as black. Mm. Like, you're definitely lighter than I am, but Mm -hmm. to them, you're still black. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) regardless of what shade they see, you're black. Do you think that the vision that society has on the perception of the black male so you said tattoos muscles and things like that do you think that has anything do you think that has an impact on you know young boys and things growing up with that again once again that need to fit into something yeah no totally totally you see you see kids younger and younger going to the gym to try and get their bodies a Mm -hmm. certain way some are doing it for health reasons some are doing it to to obviously if they're going into sports and stuff like that it makes sense but some are doing this aesthetically to look like that would you say it's a struggle for the young the average young black male to when living or growing up to not fit into what the white perception is one thousand percent like it's and do you ever feel like you have to fit into that yeah why do you feel like you have to just because otherwise you won't fit in Hmm. Yeah, it's just it's 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 a it's a fifty fifty. I, I think um, you almost you almost try to be your own person, but then if you don't act like this, then mm-hmm. you're not cool enough. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I think it's a fifty fifty for sure. So you said that, you know, um, the Western world or our white counterparts envision us to be, you know, muscly, tattooed, cane rose and all of that. Um, does that have an effect on you when growing up in society and how you feel that you're going to need to? thousand percent. I got cane rose just for the fact of get- <laughs> when I was younger, I grew my hair to get cane rose just because it was the cool thing to do. Like, I don't necessarily think I wanted cane rose at the time, mm-hmm. but... I got him because I needed to fit a mold. I needed to look like something. Um, so one thousand percent, not more, anymore. Yeah, um, that definitely did happen when I was when I was younger. But mm. now I, I definitely um, that that went out the window. And how sure. do you think this does affect like young black boys in society in general? It puts pressure on on the way they have to act and how quickly they have they feel like they have to grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it causes a big issue, especially with mental health, because then they are they are constantly told they have to be strong, they can't show any emotions, they have to do this, this, this and that. Um so automatically their childhood's basically taken away from them because now they have to play this part mm. from a pretty young age, which is um not fair. Yeah. So it seems like a lot goes hand in hand, uh when it comes to the society's perception, what what you think anyway that they see when they envision the black male, what is actually what your experience was with uh, in media of the black male, the two seem to be mm. quite similar. And what is interesting is that you in your black household, how you were raised is actually the complete opposite, opposite. to what the media portrays yeah. and to what you think society believes know yeah. black men to be but I, I also do think that's because of me where i was born mm. and living in africa and, and i think that played such a massive part i think 100%. it would have been totally different if i was born here and even though i grew up here we still almost lived as we did back in africa like the morals and mm-hmm. the way I, my mom I ran think, the household yeah. played such a part like a big part so that i didn't really get a sense of uh, British culture necessarily, even though I lived here, I, we didn't live within that at home. Mm. At home felt like we were back home. <laughs> um, so with that in mind, due to the representation or the lack of 
or the misinterpretation of the black male, what do you think the average stereotype is of the black male to the average person from outside of the black community? You touched on a few before mm. when we were describing, um, you know, words of what you think of. Yeah. Now, can you go into more detail about ge general stereotypes that surround the black man? Yeah, okay. Example, so I during lockdown, I would go cycling um, and I'll purposely wear bright colours mm -hmm. so then that police wouldn't stop me. Um, if I knew if I'd wore... That's interesting. Why, why do you think that? Why do you think Because that? It, it happened quite a few times. So if I would wear a full black tracksuit, they would automatically stop me. Why do you me. think bright colours would not make them? Because it's less aggressive. So you would intentionally... I would intentionally choose what I wore if I was going to go on a bike ride at night. So you have to think about even what you the clothes you that wear, wear yeah. before stepping outside. Mm -hmm. Like it happened it happened three times last year where I I went cycling a lot at night and it I got stopped a few mm -hmm. times. The first time was they asked me where I got my bike from because it's a very nice bike. Wow. <laughs> I spent quite a bit of money on it. Yeah. And then they were they heard the way I was speaking so they were like, oh sorry to bother you and they let me go. Mm -hmm. Um because I was like sorry what's that got to do with anything why so you do you think me? that the police may have been you know operating uh in, in a sense that they were catering or perceiving you to be one of these stereotypes yeah, 1, what 000%. was that what was one of the what was that which is probably a black boy who's probably selling drugs at, at night in his bike i had a bum bag on as mm -hmm. well um and it was that it was that it literally i fitted the stereotype at that moment in time so Ooh. it it happened again the second time um and that time the the, the the second time it happened it was it was actually daylight so it wasn't even at night mm -hmm. um and again it was the same thing it wasn't a question about my bike but it was a question of where i was going they stopped me on my bike to ask me that um so i i i definitely did have to think consciously of what i wore whenever i went out that's crazy yeah so um can you list off any other stereotypes that you think exist? Um, top of my head, I'm like blank. <laughs> um, I think I, the ones that I named are probably the one, the the ones that are constantly thrown at us, like the sex symbols, the aggressors, the drug dealers, the the father who doesn't take care of the kids or mm. has fifty or sixty kids out in the streets. Mm. Um. So the, the, I feel like those are definitely the ones that are constantly being thrown, especially on the, on, on, on the media um, mm -hmm. and on TV, um, automatically uh, assumed to be one of those. Do you think that these stereotypes, so for example, the father not being there, having loads of kids, the drug dealer, mm -hmm. um, the angry black man, I don't know whether you said that, but that's definitely one stereotype For I'm sure. very aware of. Uh, do you think that uh, these stereotypes that have been surrounding us as black men have done any damage to us and have inhibited us as men to explore our freedoms um, like our non-black counterparts, uh, to be, be it our career or where we live or who we're friends with, etc. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Even within our own society, within the, 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 in the black society. We, in what ways? We, we, we put pressures on people to act a certain way or to have certain things or to live in, in certain ways or certain locations or... Uh, so what is, in particular, what damage has it done? done well, mm, what damage has it I done think to that it's mentally, mentally is oppressed them. So, again, you can't, it's really rare you see a black man cry. It's really rare you see a black man go to therapy. Mm -hmm. It's really rare th to see black men have certain conversations about sex, let's just say, about um, their emotions, These their are all feelings. facts, by the way. These are very all, all like, facts, yeah. So th th that's all, that all extends from the trauma yes. that we, didn't, we don't actually realise that it's happening from a very young age. Mm -hmm. um, so that's definitely, especially, especially when it comes to talking about our feelings and emotions that i think that's the one thing that it's it took me a while to even get to that point where i can be open enough to do so yeah um and i feel like it's because i was always told to be tough i was always told you're a, you, boys don't cry yeah so 
and I'm hella emotional. I cry yeah. a lot. Oh, I know, sis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so emotional. I love it. It's good. Crying I get is so good. so emotional when you <laughs> Crying is good. It's great. No, Sometimes thanks. you just need a little cry just to get it all out and then you're back in the room. Well, I personally do believe that as black men, unfortunately, some of uh, these stereotypes have been so predominant and have left many of the men in our communities adopting them and prevented us mm -hmm. to exploring ourselves, be it with our emotions, like you said. Yeah. Um, I think it's also prevented, uh, you know, the average black man from exploring their, their sexuality. 1,000%. Um, I think it's even, you know, inhibited us to to what kind of hobbies we do. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? 1,000%. Okay. 1,000%. Um, yeah, it's, it, 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 it really... It almost like it's there's like uh groups that have been created let's mm -hmm. say and you kind of just fit into those groups based on based on like the social construct if that makes sense mm -hmm. so like um black people would do this as a hobby um yeah and they wouldn't do that so let's say it's really rare to see black people going to play golf yeah what <laughs> let's, let's yeah. go let's go play golf of course yeah <laughs> and it's that so yeah no definitely definitely um so how do you feel like these stereotypes damage a black man's lived experience and available opportunities so repeat that again how do you think that these stereotypes damage a black man's lived experience and available opportunities um it, it it, it, it suppresses us. Mm -hmm. It's made us think and believe that we can only achieve this to this point. We it, it, it hasn't you allowed suppress suppress. Yeah, mm. um, it, it hasn't allowed us to think and do more or wanting to do more. Um, yeah. So it, yeah, it, it, it's definitely played a big part on how. But in in other hand, also again, because we have to work harder, it's also made people work harder. Yeah. So I do think there's a um a fifty fifty where, yeah, it might suppress some people, but then on the other hand, it might probably push some people. From our conversation so far, you've said that you've been raised to be, you know, loving and uh, these nice things you're living in a world where you're expected of you to be a sex symbol, aggressive, a criminal, or whatnot. You've also gone on to say that, you know, you're growing up as a typical black man with these stereotypes around being a drug dealer, mm -hmm. um, you know, having all of these kids. Uh, you're then fighting, like, these stereotypes to, like, push forward and keep on doing what you're doing. Some people, unfortunately, fall into these stereotypes mm -hmm. and have a... Uh, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, and then there, there's, on top of all of that, we've now got the black man suppressing everything because he is trying to, you know, not be these stereotypes yeah. and what is expected of him and, you know, to be strong. So he's now suppressing his emotions. How ultimately do you think that does affect the average black man's mental health? Oh, it, it's probably one of the biggest issues that we have within the black society, especially men. Um, we don't speak. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about our problems. We talk about our issues. We keep it all in. And then that's, that's probably how it comes out, which is in anger or aggression. Um, and that's most of the time that's actually a cry for help. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's mainly the fact that we hold it all in because we, we are told that we're men and we've, we have to figure it out. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So last year, May the 25th, we saw the brutal murder of George Floyd on global news. Uh, the world erupted and rightly fucking so. Uh, due to COVID, we were all stood still and we saw this man's life get taken in front, in front of our very eyes. Now, these are some questions that I'm asking everyone that are coming on this show. How did what happened to George Floyd, the surge in the media attention and the awareness for the Black Lives Matter movement affect you last year? Um, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've never felt more um, heard than I did last year. For the first time, I think I felt comfortable enough to have these conversations. And... I didn't realize how much it actually affected me. How did it affect you? It seeing it, that death of the it, man. It, it made me question all the shit that I've been putting up with. Mm-hmm. If that like comments, uh, probably stuff in school where people would say, teachers probably saying stuff like, or I, I almost had to like go back into my childhood and relive all of that because I was like, this is a. a a, a person's life, it, it, regardless of what color the skin is at that, at that moment in time, it it really made it poignant to what we go through on a day to day basis. Um, and I didn't realize that how that was going to affect me until I went to the first, um, uh, the first not rally, but the first um, march. March, and I like I felt it. I felt it. I was like, I was mad. I was angry. I was upset. Like, and I was like, I didn't understand why. And then it was the fact that I saw that that men on the floor could have been me. Mm-hmm. It could have been any of us. So it, it it really opened up a lot in my mind of what I now need to do mm-hmm. to better the situation around me and how I can help. Have you noticed any changes in society since then? Um, slight changes, slight changes. I do feel like a lot of co- corporations just jumped on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily believe that they're actively trying to make a change or a difference. I think they're just going, okay, if we just put, polish it and make it look pretty and nice, then that's it. We don't have to really do much. Like, yeah, I, I, it's, it's 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 a hard one because you you want to see the best in people and you want to believe that they're, they're actively making a change, but deep down we know. Mm. And I think just more needs to be done. Bringing it back to, you know, the perception of the black male, which is what this episode is all about, do you feel like the perception of the black male has shifted with, you know, people seeing this black man beg for his life? You said we're used to seeing... The black man being aggressive, um, one of them was tatted up, and all of these things, yeah. and the world was forced to see uh, a black man crying for help. 
Yeah. Not getting any help and his life not being valued and dying on camera, mm. being killed on camera. Do you feel like that may have shifted uh, the perception of the blackmail with people seeing that? I want to say yes, but I don't know if I 100% believe that it has. Yeah, go on. Like, I want to believe that it, it has, mm. but deep down I know it hasn't. Why do you feel like that? Only because it's so ingrained of how people see black men regardless mm. that it's going to take more than that to shift that perception. Mm. What do you think people can do? That I don't know. Mm. That I don't know. It. I think we've gone in the right direction mm-hmm. by openly talking about it and having these conversations and podcasts and videos and people being more open mm-hmm. and learning and sharing. Um, eventually, hopefully, it does. But yeah, I don't. Not. Do you feel like there may have been a collective thought or um, a change? with black men after seeing that yeah because i know you said now when you go into a room you feel a certain way yeah since that happened have do you feel like black men are acting any different than they would normally in certain environments yeah i think i think uh, probably being a lot more open okay slightly um and also being aware of the room yeah. Before we went in we did what we had to do and we left now we're like no we're coming to the room and you're gonna know that i'm here and I'm, you're going to accept that I'm here. Um, so I think there's definitely a sense of pride. That's definitely, um, before I felt like I was holding my pride back sometimes, just so I don't offend anyone in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, now I think- Which I is w- funny, because that's what I said to you at the beginning of the episode. I said, say what you, say what you like, say what, who you are, well, what you've yeah. done, your achievements. And yeah. often in our communities, we feel like we have we to, we have to exactly, pull it back. Exactly, otherwise we're overconfident. Yeah. Otherwise, we're doing too much. Mm-hmm. And actually, no, I'm just telling you what I, I can yeah. and can't do. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, I think there's definitely a sense of uh, pride being a bit more um, open about that, for sure. Uh, so now for the big question, where are you now? <laughs> um, learning. Mm-hmm. I am listening more. Mm-hmm. I am doing more research that's so interesting that you should say that that you as a black man mm-hmm. uh, are learning what kind of things are you learning I, I'm, I'm just on? i'm just researching more on black history yeah i grew up mm. in a, a primarily uh african house household but there's a lot of things that i didn't know um so definitely doing a lot more research in that um and i'm becoming more comfortable talking about my feelings and my emotions um definitely being more um open to seeing therapists and stuff like that so mm-hmm. and also having these conversations with other black men um the conversation that probably we would never have had if that situation didn't occur last year yeah um so yeah i feel like i'm learning and i'm growing <laughs> and where do you think the world is now like what's changed positively or negatively in the past year because of what's happened i know you said corporations do things yeah. what else i think i think that the world has definitely shifted mm-hmm. i don't think change is yet to come i think it's shifting um i don't think i what kind of changes do you think need to happen need to happen um I think it's just, there just needs to be um, uh, an equal playing field. Mm-hmm. I think that's primarily the biggest thing that needs to change is that everyone should be equal and everyone should be put in the same position. Yeah, we, How we, can we go about doing that? What, sh- like, what do you think? I, I have no idea. <laughs> um, just, just because I'm referring back to, the, say, work positions, um, Again, you we probably had this conversation with someone that has uh, a different name to, let's say, um, a white name, let's just say that, and someone who's got a black name, the person with the white name will obviously, regardless if they've seen the person or seen a picture of them or not, just the w- that alone, automatically, you already know that that person's going to get the job and that person ain't. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's, it's somehow figuring out a way of how to put everyone in an equal playing field. If there was a message that you were to give black men 
after the Black Lives Matter movement and you know the murder of George Floyd, if there was a message you could give them, what would it be? Stand proud. Literally as simple as that. Stand proud. How important is mental health to you? Um, it. I grew up in a time where we didn't speak about like mental health yep. and, and any of that stuff. So it's definitely become more important to me now because I didn't realize a lot of my traumas. I just mm. put them aside and not dealt with them. And now coming into my adulthood, I, it's almost like I'm going, okay, let's open that cupboard, take that out and actually deal with it. Yeah. Let's open this one, take it out and deal with it. So I think, again, going back to what I said earlier, was I'm learning and I'm growing. Um, so definitely mental health is a thing where I've become more comfortable to talk about, especially when it comes, for me personally, and also even being open with my friends and let, let and allowing them, uh, giving them the space so that they feel comfortable enough to open up mm-hmm. and tell me how they feel. Um, I'm not a therapist, but <laughs> I'm here to listen. Yeah. <laughs> what advice do you have for other people oh. about how you, n- how you nurture your own mental health? Oh. How can they do that? I'm sure a lot of people say this. I will say self-love. I, what I do is probably people may find this really bizarre. Once a year, mm-hmm. I pack a bag mm-hmm. and I pick one place in the world I've always wanted to go and see and I go on my own for a week and I just have conversations with myself. I will sit on the beach, read a book, I will sightsee, I will do all the touristy stuff and just that time alone with my thoughts, by myself, mm-hmm. doing one thing that I love and not being disappointed by somebody else being there or somebody not wanting to do as much as you wanted to do. Um, and that really puts me in a good mental space. Is there anything that you do like on a daily basis? I try to meditate as much as I can. Yeah. Um, and I just do what makes me happy, which is dance. Yes. So I wake up, music's blasted, and I'm shaking a leg or two. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally it. <laughs> Do you have any advice to a young black boy wanting to make it in any kind of field? Yeah. Um, I always find this question tricky. Um, yes. And fight. Mm. Fight. Do everything you can to make your dreams come true. It's not in anybody else's hands. It's all on you. So fight. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on to the show. It's been a pleasure discussing all of this stuff with you. Um, Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want <laughs> to give you. a big shout out to uh, Black Minds Matter UK. Every episode of this podcast aims to highlight issues that are still very much in our society today. Having spoken with you, Claude Demar, it's clear that there's still still so much that we need to do to change the perception of the black man. We've spoken about like your up- upbringing, how it's been completely different to h- how you know, how you're meant, how you're perceived in the world, and how that can leave black men living day to day, constantly battling with what is expected of them, what they're going to amount to be. Um, and it just seems like black men are out here just continuously battling with society and also with themselves because of these stereotypes feeling like they have to also be strong and be this um, be this and that and like you said before they end up suppressing themselves and you know it's 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 a lot and we do hope that after the events of George Floyd and you know all of this learning that has been happening with the Black Lives Matter movement and these kind of discussions around mental health and things of that nature that black men can start relaxing a bit more I think that is something that I think needs to happen and yeah hopefully more conversations like this happen and um, we can see a change and the black man can just feel more at ease in, in in 
in his everyday life. Um, with that being said, I would like to highlight the fact that you can donate to Black Minds Matter, the charity that Dancers Network, this podcast, are raising money for and raising awareness for. I will make sure to put a link up in the description so you can donate as much as you can to Black Minds Matter UK. Thank you so much in advance. <laughs> Once again, thank you so much for joining me, Kuldemar, on Where Are We Now podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and yeah, please do share and subscribe. Thank you for tuning in. And yes, we'll see you again very soon. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.